Welcome to Common Ground, a talk show encouraging debate and a deeper understanding of hot-button topics in Berlin and beyond. I'm your host, Soraya Sarhadi Nelson. Today's episode features our Twitter space from April 20th on the plans by the German government to legalize all cannabis use by adults. Once passed, Germany would become the largest country in the world in terms of population to allow the sale of cannabis. Discussing the issue with me were legalization activist Stefan Gaia, who for many years has headed the annual Hempfparade or Hemp Parade in Berlin, Joa Helms, who is CEO of Greenhouse Amsterdam Coffee Shops, which sells cannabis products, and Kevin Sabat, who has served as a White House Office of National Drug Control Policy Advisor in several administrations, most recently that of President Obama. He's the founder of a group called Smart Approaches to Marijuana, or SAM. Here's the edited show. Stefan, what can you tell us about the latest developments in Germany with regard to the proposed legislation? In short answer, they are doing nothing. There's a lot of talking from politicians and there's always the notion that we need to wait and there's more time needed to start the effort. They're still looking which staff in the uh, Federal Ministry of Health is the one to ask for the resolutions, but there's no real movement. So there is a lot of pressure from the consumers to get at least something like a decriminalization for the short period while we wait for a real legalization. What they've been talking about, though, is having certain dispensaries, perhaps apotheques or pharmacies, um, as they're called here in Germany, having them distribute marijuana to any adult that wants to use it. And then there is also going to be taxation, which is supposed to raise a lot of money. There's discussion of tens of thousands of jobs being created by this. But you're saying there isn't any proposal yet that you've been able to put your eyes on or that people who are advocates for this have been able to look at. Uh, what we have is a law that the Green Party made eight years ago. But since we have the new government, since they made the pledge to legalize, there's nothing like a written law or something where we could put our teeth in. So we're still chewing this eight-year-old bubblegum with no taste. Well, let me ask uh, Kevin what uh, the U.S. has done. I mean, we're talking, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's 18 states at the moment that have legalized marijuana use, with another 13 having decriminalized it or, you know, parts of it. So what's happening in the U.S. at the moment? Well, what's happening is we've given big tobacco and big alcohol a second life. Uh, it's a money grab, really, the legalization. It's not social justice. It's not, you know, even the, in about individual rights because plenty of people were using marijuana before it was legal and they weren't getting caught and they're not being criminalized. And so instead, we have a commercial market now driven by big tobacco interests. And that's my worry. And I've seen some developments in Germany about commercialization. I would think Europe would do it much better than we would in America because of our history of capitalism and commercialization. But early signs in Germany, to me, are not giving me much comfort because it looks like, you know, multinational, multi-billion dollar companies are coming in. And frankly, I, I feel like even though Stefan and I completely probably disagree on the health harms of marijuana, and we can have a discussion, I actually feel for him because I think people that sort of act activists like him and others, they're going to be left in the dust. I hate to say it. This is going to be multi-billion dollar companies. They're coming in. I don't see how this improves their life. I also don't see how it improves the future of our young people, um, our road safety, our workforce safety, because today's marijuana is not the stuff of the past. And so 
In the U.S., we've seen increases in emergency room admissions, hospital admissions, car crashes, um, mental health because of uh, schizophrenia, psychosis, suicide. I don't think people should be arrested and locked up in prison. Don't get me wrong. I don't think we should criminalize people for it. But I don't see why we would want to commercialize it and basically let big tobacco have free reign. And that is what is going to happen. Well, are there states, though, in the U.S., I mean, understanding what your position is on the legalization, but are there states that are doing it better than others where Germany might be able Mm -hmm. to take some lessons from? Well, in a few states, we have seen after years of pushback, and frankly, the industry is still fighting it. But in places like Vermont, and even in Colorado, we're beginning to see this, there's a lot more discussion about a THC limit. uh, Because remember, the old marijuana from the Woodstock days was four to 5%, you know, 6% THC, still got plenty of people stoned. Um, Some people had to go to the ER even back then. But now we're talking average 20 to 25%, which is very high in plant material. And for the concentrates, it can get up to 99% if you're dabbing. Um, And these edibles, the cookies, candies, gummy bears. So I would think that they could learn from a few states that have tried to limit the THC levels and also put warning labels, warning labels for pregnant women, um, which is a huge problem now because of the commercialization, warning labels for other vulnerable populations. So there are a few states trying, but frankly, I think the U.S. is an experience of more what not to do than what to do. Let's bring Yoa into the conversation about what's happening in Amsterdam, where there isn't really legalization per se. The way, I mean, it's not completely legal in, Nether- in the Netherlands to do this. So is it really necessary, though, in Germany? I mean, how does it work in Amsterdam? And would that be a model to follow if the government is having a hard time coming up with a proposed law? I definitely don't think that Holland is a model that Germany should follow. We have organized some part of the chain, let's say, from seed and the growing and the producing of the cannabis to the sale of the cannabis to the public. We've organized part of that really good, like the coffee shops where the people can get the information and and people can buy their cannabis in a safe way and even smoke it in the coffee shop. But the backside of the coffee shop where the cannabis is produced is not organized at all. And that is causing a lot of problems, problems in quality control, THC levels, what Kevin was talking about. We don't even know because we're not allowed to analyze the weed and it's important for the consumer to know what he's smoking so that part is organized in a bad way so if holland would do it again 40 years ago i would definitely do the whole chain let's say then only the part what we organize now so what happens now if i'm a customer who wants to smoke a a marijuana cigarette i come into one of your cafes and i have to do it there or can i buy it and then take it with me and smoke it at home or i mean what what do the laws allow The consumer is protected pretty good. So you can go to a coffee shop and there uh, is a menu. The coffee shop owner can only have 500 grams in the coffee shop. So he will have a limited amount of the varieties that are available. Uh, But overall, they have a lot to offer and to show. And then uh, you can buy it and then you can choose whether you want to take it home or that you want to smoke it in the coffee shop. You can buy maximum five grams per person. So that should be enough, I think. And then you can smoke it in the coffee shop. Stefan, you heard what Kevin said about his concerns about marijuana and cannabis and how it works in states that have legalized it in the U.S. Let me flip the question around to you and ask you, are there any models or do you see any states, any actions in the United States that could serve as a basis for Germany to create its proposed legislation? 
Uh, there's uh, different rules in different states. I really like to cherry pick kind of to make law in Germany. For example, the state of New York distributed licenses for shops convicted of the marijuana laws. And I really miss this attitude of uh, reconstitution uh, of the people and overcome the injustice made in the name of the marijuana prohibition that is missing in Germany. And I would cherry pick this part. And I would like to see the Californian way of showing the goods and have a real educated decision of the consumer about how to declare the THC and CBD content and stuff. Well, as I mentioned right now, uh, for medicinal purposes, you can use cannabis products in Germany, the way I understand it. Has that been working? Or is it this disjointed process, as you're describing, with no real good plan in place to ensure quality, to ensure control, and, uh, you know, whatever other measures that are needed? This, that? Uh, medicine in Germany is a real problem because it established uh, two kinds of people, two class citizen health system. If you're rich enough, you can pay the medical marijuana in the pharmacy by yourself and you're kind of legal. But if you're poor and you need the help of the health insurance, then you'll have a lot of trouble and even really sick people cannot get their medicine. So that's not a model I would like to see in other states. Right. Okay. Understood. Let me yeah. go. Let me go. To, I'm sorry, Kevin, did you want to add something before I go to well, the audience? I was going to say, listen, I, I know it sounds sort of, uh, maybe it sounds, you know, déclassé, but uh, medicine should be determined by scientific authorities, not by popular vote like we have in America um, or by, you know, governors, you know, politicians. Um, you know, if you're going to call it a medicine, you got to treat it like a medicine. Otherwise, don't call it a medicine. There are constituents of marijuana that have medicinal properties. But when you talk about the whole plant, especially smoked, uh, we, of course, don't, you know, we don't smoke any medicine. First of all, that's not a proper way to ingest medicine. And um, we should take the, you know, the, any positive properties and make a medicine that's obviously equally distributed to people if, if for whom they need it. But of course, that's a tiny portion of the population that would need it. Um, Stefan mentioned New York. I mean, no state has properly done equity at all. The vast majority of businesses are white owned. They're owned by multi-million dollar conglomerates of businesses that basically buy up all the mom and pop. This idea that we're going to hire sort of, you know, ex-convicts to be licensed so they can get into this market. The reality is you need millions of dollars to get into this market. You need equity. You need a loan. You need a good credit score. Um, and I'm very worried about if there are folks that have a Conviction, but are also involved in the underground market, how that's going to mix together for the legal market. I mean, honestly, none of it makes sense. We could decriminalize individual users, okay, but to commercialize it and legalize something. I think it's very difficult. The underground market thrives. Don't think that that goes away. And the taxes do not pay for the majority of the costs because there's costs to every policy, not just revenue. So I think there's just a lot of reason to quit. Frankly, it's a reason why I think a centrist government like, like Angela Merkel's, the former government in Germany, rejected legalization on and on. And now you have basically a kind of a far left and far right coalition who are in favor. And, and we've seen that in the U.S. You have, you know, Bernie Sanders agreeing with Rand Paul. <laughs> so you have the most extreme elements of each party 
agreeing. But the, the sort of mainstream elements, the science, the ones who rely on science, who are looking at the medical associations, you know, they have been very, very cautious. And I just worry that we're just jumping into this way too fast. I, I don't care about your worryings, Kevin, because every three minutes there's an arrest in Germany and every arrest is an unjust arrest. So we need to do something. Fine. And yes, Fine. there might be problems with the legal market, but there's also a human rights aspect on this discussion. And we have to solve this kind of the problem first before we discuss how we Hold can on. avoid the worst of capitalism. Well, wait a minute. If you want to get rid of the arrest, that's when I'm with you. Get rid of the arrests. <laughs> Decriminalize it. You do not need to commercialize. Now in Germany, I think you've seen this, and I, I would think you'd be worried about it, Stefan. You have multiple multinational, multi-million dollar private hedge fund investors, private equity. They see Germany as the gateway to Europe to get into the rest of Europe, and they're coming They, they do not have your interests in mind, let alone my interests in mind or my kids' no, but, interests in mind. They have their but, bottom line in mind. They have profit in mind. And I would just be very careful, Stefan, sort of deal with the devil here. Be very, very careful about the coalition that you that you because that, that you're trying to bring on for this because they don't have our interests in mind. I, no, I but, assure you that. Uh, if I can uh, say something about this, because our company is also has a license in Canada and we have been working there from the beginning of legalization. And at the moment, I'm in San Francisco to work here. So our company is worldwide. And what Kevin is saying is that a lot of big corporate companies are entering the cannabis market. But what we see is that they have tried, but they have not succeeded. So there's a lot of money entering the market. The there's plenty of money, but the cannabis culture does not connect with these huge corporate companies okay let me let me jump let me jump in let me jump in gentlemen because we do want to take some questions from the audience uh, Yoa, you will you will have a chance Stefan and Kevin I promise we will return to this discussion uh, but let me just ask Stefano do we have any questions from the audience uh, I don't see any right now um, but just to the listeners if you would like to ask a question um, you can like raise your hand through uh, on the app it should be on the bottom of the screen But at the moment, we don't. So maybe if you want to check in with me again, Sarai, we can uh, move on. Okay, great. The thing is to really inform listeners today about what the viewpoints are and what the concerns are. And uh, so we will, you know, we will continue to do that. And I want people to feel free to jump in, you know, Kevin, Stefan and Yoa. But let's try to move the conversation along because I felt like we re sort of reached an end point there in terms of uh, <laughs> where we were going to get. So let me ask you. Stefan, do you think once this law, because there has been a promise made, and at some point the coalition is going to have to answer to this. They can't just ignore this for four years. So the question is, do you think they should be limiting where you can get marijuana legally? Should it just be apotheken? Should it be coffee shops? You know, should individuals be able to grow plants at home? Uh, how would it become equitable, you think? Uh, do you ask what the person Steffen Geier is like to see or what's uh, expected? I think to expect and whether you think it works. I mean, should it go beyond apotheken, which is what everyone seems to okay. agree on? Is Forget pharmacies. pharmacies. Okay. We, we will not see recreational cannabis in pharmacies. That's not the place for this kind of pleasure stuff. We don't sell wine in pharmacies. We don't sell tobacco in pharmacies. So there's no real argument how why to sell 
recreational cannabis there. We will see special stores, I'm sure about this, and we will have an age restriction, at least 18, maybe a little bit more. And there's a heavy discussion if we have the legal home grow weed. Uh, all the consumer organizations are advocating towards it, but there's no real political pressure behind this issue because there's no money made out of the homegrown. So you don't think that that will be pushed then because there isn't money to be made? I mean, that makes it uh, sound that's like... That's the what... job we activists have to push. That's our yeah, part, that's... to make well, cannabis social clubs possible, something like this. Well, see, this is what Kevin, right, I think, is talking about, is that if it becomes such a commercial venture, does this become something that's really good for society or good for someone's pocket? Well, yeah. I'm not afraid of big money. Well, we can handle big money because we have a small scale producers of potatoes and tomatoes and uh, beans and whatever other crops. So why not have small scale producers of cannabis? Yeah. And uh, there's a market for both of them. I admire the optimism, um, but I have to say, even if you, Stefan, and your friends are going to go to the small growers, great. But that will be a small, just like it is for everything else, a small proportion of the overall market. Yes, that will also exist. Fine, no problem. But 95% of it is, is my worry, is going to be controlled by major corporations and those with a lot of political muscle. We're already seeing, for example, a member of the Free Democratic Party is speaking at a major marijuana policy conference um, later this June, which is sponsored by multiple companies and private hedge fund groups. And so we're seeing the beginning. So what? Well, so what is good luck trying to, you know, keep this. Last time I checked, there was capitalism. And so we will see a capitalistic approach to this problem. Well, I'm glad glad you've admitted that, Stefan, because that's my point. The capitalistic approach to this problem, let me finish, is not going to be in the interest of public health, just like it wasn't for tobacco, like it's not for alcohol, like it's not for a lottery and gambling. It's like it's not for a lot of things. And so when today's marijuana, which is much more addictive than the past, is being used by, you know, not people who have used maybe for a long time and are used to it like you, Stefan, but other people, newer users especially, I think we're going to, like we are in the U.S., we are going to be seeing a problem and this industry could care less. They just care about their bottom line. Can you can you mention me one uh, a big corporate company with hedge fund money behind it that is successful in America because it's just not correct what you're saying. You know, big um, corporate yes, companies have tried, they, they paid, they oh, paid if I can finish my sentence, Kevin, uh, big corporate companies paid Snoop Dogg, for example, four million dollars right. to put his yes. head on the on the bag of mm-hmm. weed but if right. the quality of the weed that goes in the bag mm-hmm. is not right the right. consumer like Stefan is talking about is not going to buy it so money is not really the problem the problem is that money can't buy quality and the right. consumer is not going to be fooled by these hedge funds that you are talking about <laughs> the, com- well, we the might- consumer if I can finish, sorry, and in, because you have a lot of time to talk, uh, it, the consumer only cares about the quality of the product that goes into the bag, and those companies will survive. And it's the small companies like the microbreweries with the beer that are going to survive in this cannabis uh, culture. Okay, so I'll let Kevin answer. I'll let Kevin answer yeah. that question, but then I would really like to get back to talking about yeah. minors using it. That's because that's the next right. topic that we need to address. But go ahead, Kevin. Yeah. So listen, we might define quality differently. So I'm going to first answer the question, then I'll talk about quality. The good to answer your question, absolutely, I can name them. Um, they're called Cureleaf Privateer Holdings. Um, there's many, many others. Privateer actually, doesn't sell to oh, consumers, hold on, Kevin. Oh, hold on. No, no. But it's part of the marijuana 
Yeah, but they're not successful. Okay, Yoa, Yoa, let him finish. You wanted to finish. Okay. Um, I invite readers not to take my word for it or Yola's word for it or anybody's on this word for it and read themselves. Read about, for example, what just broke in Chicago yesterday, which are the two biggest billion, two of the biggest billionaire families in Illinois. Pritzker, who's, by the way, governor, and Wrigley of the Wrigley Gum, um, you know, huge super company. Um, They are behind the basically they bought up all of the licenses in Illinois. They're buying up the minority licenses. You know, you pay a black guy a thousand bucks to sign on the dotted line and pretend that he's part of a company, then you can go get the minority license. Okay. That's the reality of minority licenses. Let's be let's be very clear. So they're doing that. And that's happening. So it's not about the small uh, sort of you know producer. The small producer will be there. I have no doubt that will be there. We agree on that. I'm sure they'll be there, but the vast majority are going to be ones that do not have the public interest. And you mentioned quality. I mean, I don't, you know, our definition of quality might be different. My worry is not just that they're going to sell contaminated marijuana. My worry is they're going to sell super highly potent, quote unquote, very good marijuana and hook more and more people. And if you look at the history of the tobacco industry for decades, lying to the global population about the arms, covering up all of the negative uh, parts of tobacco and cigarettes, making their product more addictive, we're already seeing that in the marijuana space. And that's what really does worry me. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll talk more about legalizing cannabis in Germany. Stay tuned. The Germany Experience Podcast, where foreigners share their experiences of living in Germany. Supermarkets here drive me insane. But I just said, what are you staring at? No, stop it. Stop it. She's crying. There was a shepherd leading a flock of sheep (laughs) down the street. And they give us some advice. Find ways to stay connected to home. Learn how to drive through the roadworks. If you really want to connect with people, learning the language is the key to that. The Germany Experience Podcast. Life in Germany through the eyes of outsiders. This is Common Ground Berlin, and I'm your host, Soraya Sarhadi Nelson. And I'm the senior producer, Dina El Said. Each week, we bring you a podcast aimed at deepening your understanding of critical issues in Germany and beyond. But to make our podcast even better, it's important for us to hear what you think. You can share that with us by rating the show on your podcast app. You can also write us a review on the platform you use to listen to our episodes. We look forward to your feedback. And join us again next Monday on Common Ground Berlin. I'm Verena Hütter, host of The Big Ponder, the Goethe Institute's transatlantic podcast, bringing abstract concepts to life through personal radio essays. Every other week, our producers turn broad topics into captivating stories told from a U.S. and German perspective. You can find all episodes of The Big Ponder on our website, goethe.de, as well as on your favorite podcast apps. And discover the stories behind The Big Ponder on our radio show, Sounding the Big Pond. It is broadcast each Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on WPFW 89.3 FM in Washington, D.C. We do look forward to connecting with you. (music) 
Welcome back to Common Ground, where we are bringing you an edited version of an April 20th Twitter space we hosted on plans to legalize all marijuana use for adults in Germany. Joining me were legalization advocate Stefan Gaia in Berlin, Joa Helms of Greenhouse Amsterdam Coffee Shops, and Kevin Sabat, a former White House Office of National Drug Control Policy Advisor and founder of Smart Approaches to Marijuana, or SAM. What follows is an edited version of the conversation. I want to touch on something that both Kevin and Stefan mentioned. So let me ask you, Yoa, about underage use. Is this a concern in Amsterdam? Who is eligible to purchase there, understanding that it is not legalized across the country, uh, that it's been knit together over decades? No, in Amsterdam, you can enter a coffee shop if you are 18 years and older. And I don't think it should be less. I think that's good that we have that system. We have regular checks. So if they come in and they check IDs and somebody is 17, you get uh, one warning. And the second one, you're already closed for one week. Uh, So it's pretty strict enforcement. I think that's the right way to do it. But Stefan, here in Germany, and this may be the case in Amsterdam as well, I won't speak for the Netherlands, but you can buy beer and wine when you're a teenager here. So is that going to happen with marijuana too? I mean, that's obviously a great concern is that people under 18 will be allowed to buy it. And that certainly is a concern in the United States. I'm just wondering how you see it here in Germany. Um, There's a political movement towards an alcohol age limit of 18, whatever product there is. So I'm pretty sure there will be a legal limit of 18 for cannabis, like it is for tobacco and other drugs. The major change will be that we no longer prosecute the consumers of cannabis, but the sellers. So with a legal cannabis market, we will have youth health law enacted with cannabis, and it's not prosecuting the consumers anymore. Because today, if you have an underage person with cannabis, the police will prosecute the underage person and not the seller of the cannabis. But in terms of beer and wine consumption, there are teens here who drink. I was, I mean, I'm half German and I started drinking here when I was 14 even. And it was never, nobody ever policed us. No one checked IDs. It's not the same sort of culture as in the U.S. I'm an American citizen and I know there, they're much more strict about that. So do you see that being an issue here where children will end up using marijuana if it becomes legal? Mm, uh, Children are using marijuana right now while it's illegal and we need to get them out of the black market and we need them get them out of the dirty streets and get them help and education. I don't believe we can make a law that will stop youth consuming cannabis. So we need laws that help to reach them. Okay. And Kevin, let me ask, has this been a problem in states where marijuana is legalized, where young people are in fact using it? Or is it strict enforcement the way you see with alcohol, where people selling it, or if you're a parent and you allow alcohol to be consumed at your house, you can get not just go to jail, you can get sued for a great deal of money. So is that sort of protection in place for underage marijuana use in the United States? So there's theory and practice, right? So alcohol is used in huge amounts, even though it's illegal if you're under 21 in America. So um, that is used by underage users more than any substance, although marijuana is catching up. So I wouldn't use that as a model because even with the age limit, we know that kids are using it. We should be very clear about a couple of things when it comes to kids and marijuana, though. Number one, 
kids are not getting marijuana from the quote unquote dirty streets. They're getting marijuana by far from friends, sometimes family for free. This is not like some huge thing that's mixed with cocaine markets and heroin markets. Marijuana right now is usually given away or it's some person you know. It's not about going on the streets. Number two, I don't care if you're German, American, Ghanaian, Chinese, your brain is developing about until the age 25 or 30 and later for men than women. Not surprising to those of us who have both daughters and sons that daughters mature much earlier, but the brain does develop until 25 or 30. So, you know, these arbitrary ages of 16, 18, 19, 21, they just don't comport with science if we're truly trying to protect young people's brains because the THC binds to the receptors in the brain and the rest of your body. And it binds to these receptors that are responsible for things like memory, cognition, judgment. And so things like IQ loss is a huge issue with regards to youth marijuana use. Things like um, memory loss, cognition, doing poorer in school, major mental health impacts like psychosis and schizophrenia, which are nothing to toy about with. So I'm very concerned about what this is doing for young people. And what we've seen in, yeah, I'm really concerned about your fear mongering. That's the, the same old propaganda we heard since yeah. the 50s. Let me tell you, I will finish this, but I will just I will just respond to that quickly because that's a you know common among people that are ignorant about this is to say is to just rather than go on the science is to just kind of you know sort of attack like that, sir. But what I'll say is what I'm saying is in comport with every major medical association in the world, including the World Health Organization and the United Nations. So this is mainstream science. I'm not saying that it kills you immediately. I'm not saying it hurts everybody. I'm not even saying that most people who use it have a problem with it. What I'm saying is like with speeding, for example, when you speed, you increase your risk of a problem on the road. When you use marijuana, you increase your risk, especially if you're younger, for all these problems that we're seeing. So this is peer-reviewed research. Anyone can look it up. But to finish my point, in these states, we have seen increases in use and also this accidental ingestion, like poisonings, where you're you know, five years old and you see an edible like a gummy bear, then you think it's a real gummy bear, but your kid takes it and they have to go to the emergency room because they're having a basically a panic attack, psychotic break when they're that young because of this THC. So we've seen that. We've seen more teenagers use. When you poll teenagers, they think because it's legal, it's no oh. deal. So I am I am worried about all of these things. But can I respond to that in detail? About, I don't agree with a lot of things Kevin says. I think alcohol uh, causes a lot of problems when and it's legal and opiates, you know, well, I think what he's trying to say is that there's some risks involved. And I think what is a misconception is that with legalization, you are, are solving everything. In Holland, we have coffee shops where you can buy legally. And even that legal market is about 50% of the cannabis market, which is also the illegal market. In America, it's about 10% uh, is the legal market compared to the black market. So what you're doing with legalization is you're offering the people that do want to smoke cannabis and enjoy it. You offer them the possibility to buy it in a, in a normal way, in a legal way, and for them to buy a product that is produced in a good way and it's free from heavy metals. And you see on the, on the label exactly what's inside, how much THC, how much CBD in there and everything so that they can smoke it in a responsible way. That's what you're doing with legalization. We're not solving the problem that underage kids are smoking cannabis. They also uh, drink alcohol and they also use other drugs. That's not what you're going to solve with this. 
Let me ask, is marijuana use more acceptable in the West now? Let me just cite some statistics. Here in Germany, it's still split, where if you look at the whole population, you have half supporting legalization and half not. But that changes when you look at it at the age level. When you're talking to young people between 18 and 29, 66% say they favor the government's legalization plan, while only 31% of people over 65 think so. So is there an education deficit here, or what accounts for that. What do each of you see as the reason for why young people are pushing for this more uh, than older people? Stefan, you can start. Uh, One part of the answer is that young people have much higher risks for being prosecuted and arrested. So if there's a group of people and the police is picking out the pot smoker, you're pretty sure this will be a person under age 30, something like this. And other part of the answer is the old people tend to smoke less than young people. It's much more prevalent if you're age 20, 25 or 30 than when you're 60. And uh, Joa, is is a similar sort of uh, situation in Amsterdam? Yeah, I think it has to do with the fact that older people maybe are, um, they have more information from the past. Uh, like Kevin is saying, it's it's a lot of risk and there's a lot of downsides to it. I think in reality, the young people know it's just a very popular way to pass their free time. And uh, the young people like to do that. And uh, it's a way of doing that without too many risks for public health. So um, I think that's also the difference between uh, the generations. Kevin, any thought on the age discrepancy? I mean, is it similar in the U.S.? Yeah, I mean, look, I think that just because something like alcohol is legal and it has doesn't mean that we, you know, two wrongs don't make it right. Alcohol is legal because of cultural issues. Um, it's not legal because it's good for you. <laughs> it's legal because of the it's widespread use in Western culture by the majority of adherents. Cannabis has always been a counterculture drug, not alcohol. It's been a mainstream drug. So there's cultural differences there. But the age thing is something I, I very much worry about. We shouldn't. I mean. <laughs> legalization even with the age limits also makes it like a badge of adulthood like well when i'm this age i do this and again yes young people will use i'm not saying that they're not using or they won't use but what legalization does is it normalizes which i think is the point of it um normalizes and promotes its use when actually with today's marijuana not the woodstock weed but with today's marijuana the thc levels that are there for young people especially can have a significant risk But part of the law in Germany that they're talking about, and again, we don't have a proposal yet, but what has been mentioned is that they would put severe controls on not just marijuana, but alcohol and cigarettes in terms of advertising and promoting its use. Um, And that, you know, it would be taxed and regulated, that this would help knock out the underground economy and that this would help with prevention and the money that would be raised would go to treatment. Is that just a myth? I mean, look, I, I want to applaud the government. I will say this for talking about alcohol, which is very difficult to talk about in Europe um, and actually talking about reducing the normalization of it. So I, I'm not going to just be, you know, scowling at everything. I want to be I want to be positive about that. That's a big step. Also with cigarettes, I hope with cannabis, if they're going to legalize it, they will also limit the advertising. They will also limit the promotion in terms of the money. That's kind of like saying we're going to get rid of speed limits uh, but then we're going to put money towards you know that we would use to enforce speed limits we're going to put that towards the hospital and make sure there's more er beds i mean it doesn't make sense to me to for a tiny amount of revenue that by the way it's less than one percent of any state budget in any u.s state it's a tiny amount overall okay so the fact that you're saying you're going to use this to then pay for 
essentially the treatment that is going to be needed as a result of the policy and the prevention that's going to be needed as a result. To me, that doesn't make sense. And for alcohol, by the way, in Europe and in the U.S., every dollar in revenue, it costs $10 at least in lost social costs. So it doesn't even add up, even if you agreed with that premise. Let me just ask Stefano real quick um, whether we have any questions from the audience. We do have a couple questions coming in, actually. Okay, so then uh, why don't we... Okay, let's let the people ask questions first. Okay, go ahead. Benzion, I will accept your request now, so you should be able to speak. Uh, my question regards the, um, the effect of uh, Germany uh, legalizing, especially uh, commercializing cannabis on its obligations to the EU, since um, decriminalizing won't have uh, much effect on the EU because on demand side there are different policies, but on uh, supply side there is really strict uh, EU obligations relating to international uh, drug treaties. So if uh, Germany goes on with full legalization, uh, like Canada or some states in the US, it will contradict um, EU uh, mandates. So how does we see Germany um, adhering to those? Yoa or Stefan, I mean, Malta is actually the first EU state to legalize marijuana across the boards, but it's as much it's a very small state. So do you do, yeah, do either of you want to take that? Uh, do either of you want to take that uh, question? I think Canada took the lead, of course, already in, in legalization. And it's not just the EU treaties, but also international treaties uh, that Canada has to uphold. And I think it's just a matter of time until America is legalizing on a federal level. So I think this is something that cannot be stopped. Um, so at some point, though, there has to be an amendment to those treaties because that's not going to be in the way of legalization. Sure, I think. Can I jump in here? Um, so I am worried about the treaty issue. Uh, a couple of things. First of all, on the U.S. side, since it was just mentioned, it's important to mention that President Biden is completely against the legalization and they don't have even Democrats all on board. So I don't see federal legalization happening soon. And in November, there's going to be a change in party if things are correct. So I don't see that happening in the next few years. But I will say when it comes to European treaties, I do worry. It's a very good question because what we've seen on the U.N. level is that with Canada and Uruguay are the two countries that have breached the U.N. convention, um, the U.S. has, you know, states-wise, but it's complicated because of our system, um, similar to Germany, the federal system. But the issue is um, there are now other actors like Russia and other countries that are saying, well, wait a minute, you breached your drug obligation treaties, so we can breach our treaty when it comes to something else. And now it actually threatens to, I think, destabilize a lot of these global treaties. So I'm not saying that that's a reason why you know people like Stefan or others will change their mind on this but it's a consideration to understand that you know this does have implications because of the treaty breaking both european treaties and these global un treaties there's three major un conventions which would be breached if any drug that's currently not illegal is made legal yeah, go ahead, Stefan. Go yeah, ahead. The German government said uh, they will cancel their being part of the treaty for the single convention on drugs within the next two months. So there's a deadline in the, uh, June, and until then, they will send out a letter to get out of the contracts. Okay, well, I think that's a really negative, very sad, very 
big development, actually bigger than cannabis. Let's be very clear, because what it does is it opens the door now to having countries like uh, Afghanistan and others legalize uh, opium, legalize all kinds of drugs and say that if Germany can, you know, sort of accede from a part of the convention of drugs, then we will do the same thing. I just think that there are huge implications that the government. Is yeah, hope so. Let's hope for more legalized drugs, because every drug is getting worse if it's criminalized. Every drug user, no matter what's the drug, is, has more harm if it's a criminalized drug. So let's make Seven. more drugs oh, legal. Okay, guys, guys, we're, we're not going to go like off the rails here to talk about other drugs because we want to focus it on cannabis, and we do have a limited time. I know there's one more question, I think, from the audience, and then we're going to do a wrap-up question, and then we have to wrap it up because we're going to run out of time. Okay, uh, Weed Buzz Europe, you can speak now. Um, thank you for organizing this. Uh, really great. I just stepped in uh, by how to say accident. <laughs> <By an accident. laughs> no, well, it was a happy accident for us. Thanks for joining us. So, one question. Um, maybe Kevin could give me an answer. I think in USA or in the USA, you won already the war on drugs. Second part with the single convention in the UN. Isn't it so that it's some kind of the big elephant in the room, okay? Maybe I try to say it like this, with declining, let's say declining the single convention, which Germany maybe will do by end of June. I am not convinced of this. Would you say every single state around the planet is going to legalize marijuana at least when it's taken from this list? Thanks for the question. No, I don't think every country is going to legalize when it's taken off this list. My worry is that it's setting a bad precedent for international treaties. And also, it's going to make global efforts to fight trafficking harder. Um, this is connected to other drugs in a sense, because as Stefan actually also kind of admitted, the movement to legalize marijuana does not stop with marijuana. That's why it actually is relevant to talk about other drugs, because it is a movement to legalize all drugs. So I'm actually very happy that Stefan was very honest, and I appreciate the honesty, um, because that's a very important point we have to remember. It doesn't stop with cannabis. The answer to the first question, I do not like the war on drugs analogy. I never liked it. I think it sounds like a war on people. We don't have wars on things that we want to prevent and treat with every generation. This is an ongoing discussion in society needs to be how to prevent people, especially young people, from using these psychoactive substances and this sort of what you call recreational pharmacology. I think that um, this needs to be a perpetual effort. So I don't like war. I don't like the war on drugs. In fact, I'm proud to have worked for um, President Obama's drug czar who said we are not using that term anymore, but has what we're doing been effective. And I think there's some success, not 100% success, obviously, but the use of illicit drugs, including cannabis, is far lower than the use of legal drugs, whether it's alcohol, tobacco, or pharmaceuticals. Globally, the use of alcohol is about 60%. The use of tobacco and nicotine is about 30 to 40%. And the use of illicit drugs globally is under 10%. Numbers are similar proportion in, in the United States. So in that way, Laws have kept people from using. They prevent access. It's harder to get. There is stigma attached to getting it and using it. And so just like with smoking these days, smoking laws made it harder to smoke um, in the U.S. Fewer people smoke in public. No one can smoke on a plane. These laws, they don't change everybody's minds, but they have an impact. And yes, so to answer your question, I do think the effort overall, when you compare it with legal drugs, 
it's actually been a success, not in all domains, but in the domain of prevalence, it's been a success. So I just wanted to ask each of you um, succinctly to tell me what you think Germany should do, I mean, at this stage, because obviously they've made a commitment to do something and they haven't come up with a plan yet. So what needs to happen in the near future on this question? And uh, we'll start with Stefan in Germany. From my point of view, we have to make a short-time decision about decriminalizing marijuana for so the possession of a small amount and the growing of maybe one or two or three plants has to be without criminal record today, kind of. So we have some time to make a good and well-educated discussion about how to legalize marijuana and maybe we'll see something like a tobacco market in a couple of years. There will be a cannabis market with all the parts that we have with legal tobacco today. So homegrown tobacco and small farmers and niche products and big market solutions for the big market. Okay, and then we'll go to Yoa, since he's uh, from a neighboring country, as it were. What do you think, yeah. I mean, at this stage, what do we need to have happen since this commitment was made? Well, in Holland, they also made a start with an experiment to regulate the production of cannabis for the coffee shops. And they started to talk with the people from the industry. And the lessons that we learned in Canada, where it's a bit overregulated, and in California, for example, where, where it's overtaxed, uh, these are all mistakes that are happening. And it's important that Germany takes these lessons and that they come up with a system that works, that works for the government, that works for the consumer, and that works for the producers. That's important. Great. And let's get the transatlantic view from Kevin. What do you think Germany should do? I mean, what, what is uh, the American view, if you will? Well, I hope they don't listen to the investors and shareholders um, who would be delighted to hear the recent comments on you know not really regulating and taxing. I don't want to criminalize individual users, so let's get rid of that. We could maybe all agree on that. But I also think we should have education campaigns. Right now, most kids don't think it's a problem. Most adults don't understand what today's marijuana is. So we need an education campaign, and we need to not legalize um, and instead promote prevention, get people help where they need it. Marijuana addiction, we have not talked about, is a huge issue, growing issue. So I'd like to see more education and, and uh, much less about private companies being able to sell marijuana for profit. That was today's show, which was an edited version of our April 20th Twitter space about Germany's plans to legalize marijuana use. Thank you for listening to Common Ground Berlin. I'm Soraya Serhadi Nelson, and joining me were legalization advocate Stefan Gaia of Berlin, Joa Helms of Greenhouse Amsterdam Coffee Shops, and Kevin Sabat of Smart Approaches to Marijuana, who joined us from Canada. Common Ground senior producer is Dina El Sayed. Our social media editor is Stefano Montali, and our intern is Abigail Meginson. Common Ground Berlin is made possible through a grant administered by the Federal Ministry for Economic Affairs and Climate Action. Our partners are the German Marshall Fund of the United States and Goethe Institute. All of our episodes are available wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at CG Berlin Podcast. If you are on Apple, we would love for you to write a review on Common Ground Berlin. You can also subscribe to and rate our podcast on Spotify. And be sure to check out our website, commongroundberlin.com.